Blog Talk Radio. Reconnective Healing Practitioner, Sound Therapist, and Positive Psychology Practitioner with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Our chat room is open, so go ahead and join the discussion that's already happening online. We do keep an eye on the chat room, so if you have a question, post it. We'll do our best to get your question on air. And as an alternative, for those of you who are on the go, you simply cannot continue to listen online, please feel free to call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227, and that way you can listen via phone, or please be sure to use your Bluetooth if you are driving about. Our sponsor is Audible.com a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. And with Audible.com, you can listen to audiobooks anywhere you want, whenever and wherever you want, and you can get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. You know, we're kind of kicking off the Valentine theme a few days early this year, 
Monday or Sunday actually is February 1st. And, and we have a very special guest who lives from the place of love. She always comes from that space. And I know we're all trying to do that. And, you know, we succeed when we are aware, but sometimes maintaining that awareness can be challenging given whatever the circumstances are that we create in our lives. And my guest is Selena Matreya, a highly regarded consultant to commercial photographers worldwide, a published author of two best-selling books, and a global lecturer and keynote speaker. And prior to and concurrent with her coaching career for the last 30 years, Selena has been a spiritual student studying many philosophies and spiritual practices. She is naturally drawn to the simple yet powerful idea that we are all one that our natural inheritance is love and that our actions affect not only us, but every single energy entity. And Selena began to live her life as her practice. So committed to responding from love to life's many challenges, gifts, and experiences, she began to live what she now calls practical spirituality. Her life completely shifted and she realized that regardless of external circumstances, as she responded to life, through one of the many faces of love, kindness, gratitude, grace, compassion, wisdom, and tolerance, she was creating an existence that was peaceful and abundant, relationships that were rich and meaningful. And what a great conversation this is going to be. I know I'm very excited and grateful that she is here. So, Selena, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much for taking time to join us. How are you being? <laughs> Thank you very much, T. I'm very honored to be here with you and your tribe tonight. I'm being very well. Thank you. It's um, It's been a very challenging day, and it's been a great opportunity for me on many fronts to uh, practice the art of responding to life from love. And uh, boy, have I had a, a great opportunity to do that all day. So I'm, I'm being very well. How about yourself? How are you? I'm being well, too. <laughs> you know, as I said, I'm really excited that you're here with us, and, and I would you. love it if you don't mind, if you'd let our listeners know a bit more about your story, because it, to me, is just so beautiful and fascinating, and I know I cannot do it justice, which is why I barely alluded to it in the introduction. So would you mind sharing your story with the sure. listeners? Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm about to become 60 years old. And when I was 16, I was introduced to, well, I was 14, I was introduced to the teachings of Madame Blavatsky and Aleister Crowley. And I, I knew that there was more in life. My first teacher um, was a teacher in New Orleans. A long story how I got there, but I, I ended up um, working with her in New Orleans. And she gave me the name Selena Maitreya when I was 16 years old. And Maitreya is a disembodied master who believes in a very simple principle, which is that we live in cooperation, not competition, and our response to everything comes from our natural inheritance, which is love. Now, we're in human form, and it's very, and life is not easy, and it's, it's not always, um, it, it's usually very difficult to respond to life that way, and it's not our natural, if you will, um, because of our personality and history, it's not the natural response that everyone has. So, when I was introduced to that principle very early on, it really resonated with me. Um, it became off and on the core of my life. Um, I fell into uh, a wonderful career as the first consultant in the country's artist and, uh, about over 30 years ago, and I traveled the world, written two books, um, spoken over 100 times um, in, in the last 10 years to artists um, on how they can develop their vision. And during that time, I've always um, done the best I could in, in really living my life um, from the principle of what I now call practical spirituality, which is to respond to life from love. Um, approximately, um, well, I'd say about uh, seven or eight years ago, I, I've worked with my, a teacher that I have, a wonderful woman named, um, Hope, who is and Janice Gorman, Janice Hope Gorman in, in Minneapolis, and about uh, 10 years into our studies together, a spirit started talking through me and started channeling through me, and I was told that I was to be a teacher. I was about to go through a divorce with my husband, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to leave consulting because I would be financially responsible for my children. So I actually asked spirit, please, to allow me to put my teaching on hold. And um, 
And basically what happened is I was flooded with information and an energetic reset. And so I continued doing my consulting, but suddenly everything that I was, the totality of my being, was brought to bear with my work with my, uh, my artist. So my, my information was no longer just practical. It was very deeply spiritual. Um, two years ago, 15 years after that, that momentous uh, event, um, I realized that it was, you know, my children were grown now. My, I've been responsible uh, primarily for them financially for 12 years. I had a child who was no longer a child. He was a school psychologist, and my younger son was in college. It was time for me to sell my house and take on this role of teacher. And um, I thought I would do it in New York City. I was west, in Western Mass. So I told my boys it was time for me to sell the house. And within one day of my house being listed, it sold at the top of the market. And I knew I was on my way. Um, everything was going along swimmingly. I was waiting for an apartment to be approved in New York. And it was going to be a couple of weeks before I closed on my house and had to move out. And when I was going to be approved for the apartment, so I thought I'd get in my car and I would take a trip to see friends because I had been working very hard and wait to see what happened to in New York. And that was the plan. I had this plan. So I put everything on a pod and sent it to New York on a Friday. My house was completely cleaned out. I stayed at a local hotel. And on a Saturday, the next morning, two days before my, my closing of my house, I got in my car and I had an Audi convertible, which is important only because of what happened afterwards. And I drove from the local hotel to my house. And as I came to um, a traffic light that I had been at thousands of times in the last 20 years while I lived in that neighborhood, um, I went to the light. And out of nowhere, I heard a train. And I looked over my shoulder and saw the face of a woman who was about to hit my car. And the next thing I knew, my car filled with light. And it's no, you know, it just filled with light. And my last conscious thought was, I'm dying, and it's been a phenomenal life. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, um, and what happened next was that I didn't exist. And so I hold within me the experience of what it's like to not exist. And it was unbelievably peaceful and quite wonderful. And what happened next was that I was, I came back into my body and I saw a traffic pole in front of me and I very clearly heard the voice, a voice say to me, turn to the right. So I very calmly steered my car to the right and it stopped. Um, I, People came over, running over, you know, as they do. Uh, an ambulance came. I was taken to the hospital. There was jaws of life to get me out of the car. It turns out that the woman who hit my car ran to a red light at 70 miles an hour. I had just put the top up on my convertible before I came to the light. Thank goodness. Uh, while I was at the light, it seemed I, I came to the uh, stoplight, right, and it seemed to be about to rain. So I put the top up, and then she hit my car. And um, according to the police, what happened is she hit me and spun me around. I don't remember the impact. I have no memory of being spun around. And she dragged me over to a light pole, as the trooper said, that would have killed me. And I ended up, um, according to the, according to the uh, state trooper, I ended up at uh, the very last second turning away from the pole, and I landed three inches from the pole. And so um, I got out of the car and uh, went to the hospital. I did not have a broken bone. I didn't have a scratch. I had nothing. And I thought, T, that I had been completely blessed and mm. um, miraculously saved. Mm-hmm. And um, then three days later, I was knocked on my fanny, and it turned out that I had a major brain injury. And for the next eight months, I was in a pretty, uh, I was in a state where I could not hold a conversation for more than an hour or two. And in the first two months, I was um, pretty much um, in a state where I meditated and or was resting 24 hours a day. But during this time, I was being completely downloaded with messages. You know, I've been a student, I've been a teacher, 
and um, spirit came right through me and was very clear right away that this was the greatest event of my life, that this was an Akashic Record experience that had been created to answer my prayer of how do I become a teacher? Because I, I still hadn't found the pathway between being a consultant and being a teacher. I just knew I was going to move to New York and see what happened. Never did I guess that I would be completely pulled out of my life in one second and put in another dimension, if you will, in another world where I was only able to receive, receive help, receive messages. And during the first eight months of my recovery, which is, uh, was um, in July 2013, in the first eight months of my recovery, a complete body of work was downloaded through Spirit for me to teach. And I was told that this was the beginning of my commitment to teaching and that my energetic um, field within my physical body had been completely rewired and I was now resonating at a high frequency. And I was to take on the work of being a teacher. So there you have it, my dear. <laughs> In a nutshell, yeah. In wow. a nutshell. That is, I'm sorry it wasn't you a know, smaller nutshell. But. No, that's great. I love the way you said I had a plan because, you know, the, the universe shows us, well, you, you have a plan? Well, let me show you what I've got in mind. You know, that, isn't that the well, way it know, always is? That's a very interesting point because um, I even, I, I, it, I have a new perspective on that, which, which if I might share, it, it's really kind of, um, I love it because, um, excuse me, I'm in New York and we have some, uh, some alarms going by. Um, I always was cognizant and aware of the fact that as we're energy and form, there's a place for us to plan and there's a place for us to let the universe take over. What I learned is a whole new level of understanding of what that looks like because I was connected and I was letting the universe come in and be guided, but there was still yet a whole other level of guidance, a whole other level of surrender to that sort of that I was being asked to open up to. And let me tell you, as soon as I saw it, I was right there. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing that, that I saw that I was, that this event, I, you know, people refer to it as an accident, and I always graciously try to connect them, correct them and say, no, 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 thank you. This was, this was an event. This was an amazing experience in my life for me to be corrected and to have that opportunity to see how I was to surrender at another level. I think surrendering is such a difficult thing to do, and and it must have been difficult for you because you had to go through this event, which I agree, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't on purpose. You know, it, the universe provided that to you. How does one recognize or how does one, now that you know, now that you've been through this, how does someone surrender and let go? Or, or do we all have to learn it in a way, not maybe as dramatic as, as your way, but in a way that we finally do get it. Do you know, am I articulating this properly? You know, it's a wonderful question. It's a wonderful question. I think the concept of surrendering looks different for everyone and shows up differently. Um, I think, you know, there's so many places along the way that I was surrendering, and I'm sure there's so many places in everybody's, in, in everybody's spiritual evolution, in their spiritual um yeah, in their spiritual evolution, that they do surrender. It's never one big moment. It doesn't have to be. I was in Italy seven years ago, and I went to a church called the Spirit Church in Florence, and I felt called to this church every day. And every day I went there, and it was closed. I couldn't mm. understand it. And I would go at a different time every day, and it was closed. And I didn't speak Italian. And finally, on the fifth day, it happened to be open. And I went in. And it was the most amazing place. And there was this tiny little room with, this, with, with um, a crucifix that was created by Michelangelo. And that's why I had gone there. That was unbelievable. And I had the most incredible moment in this room. And, and that was a piece of surrender. So I think we all have different moments of surrender. And I think every single one is important. So I think the, I, I don't know the exact answer, but I think, what might be helpful is for 
everyone listening to understand that it's not the moment of surrender that matters. It's the, it's the opportunity of keeping our awareness open that everything that happens in the physical world has another meaning if we, if we open up and look beyond just the circumstance and everything, absolutely everything, every, every meeting, every opportunity, every challenge, every difficulty. If we don't get stuck in the story, we don't get stuck in the situation, and we have the awareness to say, what face of love am I being asked to respond to in this moment in time? Then every challenge and difficulty becomes an opportunity for spiritual growth. I think that's why we're here, Kate. I think we're energy and form in this, what seems like not always a supportive, warm, loving environment, not because we're being punished, but because we're given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to remember who we truly are and who we are is love. And if we know that each opportunity in life has a greater meaning to us and we go there and we look for it, then we're using each opportunity in life in a way that we're meant to. And I agree. I think that, yes. And I think that it, it probably comes down to, and you've said it a couple of times, awareness. And yes. in, in listening to the two words, practical spirituality, it is it sound, just those two words. Oh, practical spirituality. That sounds easy. That sounds like something I can do. Oh, that's great. A way to do it without, you know? But it really, those two words, they tend to boil down to being totally aware so that you're in the moment, no matter who you're with, conversing with, what the interaction is. It's always okay to, to stop and take a breath and use your filter and cut slack for the other person and cut slack for yourself to come from that place of love. That, that's kind of how I look at practical spirituality, but this is a phrase that you've coined. So what is your mm-hmm. definition of practical spirituality? Well, it, it, what practical spirituality refers to is living a life where we utilize our daily life spiritual growth. Because if we utilize every experience and every exchange and we know that it's an opportunity to respond to love. We do exactly what you said. It's kind of a, um, <clears throat> there's a process to it where, number one, we have our awareness and we have a commitment to using life as an opportunity to grow who we are and to go to love, which means if difficulty happens, let's say you're sitting with someone and, um, and there's an exchange and Something's been said, and you feel suddenly you you have an emotional response, and that emotional response is, oh, I, I feel like what was just said was very disrespectful, and you your emotion is to you know possibly respond in kind. So in practical spirituality, we stop, as you just said perfectly, we take a breath, and we recognize, oh, this emotion becomes not a landing place where we stay and respond from, it becomes an alarm clock that reminds us. So if, if you feel disrespect, it's like, oh, okay, that means I'm supposed to respond from a loving spot. My ego is saying, and even if that person really said something that was hurtful, you have an opportunity to change the energy. You have an opportunity to respond in a loving way. And sometimes that loving way is to say to that person, you know, I'm feeling a little, I'm, I'm not feeling positive about what you just said. I'm feeling this is, this is what my feelings are instead of snapping back. Or maybe you're on the road and somebody cuts you off and you're about to flip on the bird. You stop and, and, and have a moment and say, oh, maybe that person's in a rush. So you've, you've gotten what you think is somebody cutting you off and not respecting you, or, you know, but, but you have no idea what's going on with them. So we always, in practical spirituality, we recognize we always have a choice as to our response. We don't always have a choice as to what happens to us in life, but we have a choice as to our response. And it's also practical to, to respond from the loving kindness of who we are because then our life resonates at a different vibration. If we're always responding to chaos, we're going to respond with chaos, and our life is going to be miserable. It's going to be a negative, low-level energetic life 
But if we come from a place of our natural inheritance that is love and we respond from a high frequency, then that's what our life is. And what the energy that we work from is the energetic residence that, and residue that creates what happens in our life. So practical spirituality, have your awareness. Know you have choice and respond from a high-frequency energy source that represents your natural inheritance because then you're in alignment with what you say you believe. And you also bring everybody else around you into alignment or up a level, and you're also drawing those types of people to you, so the chaos is really now staying away because you're more aware. So it's a daily awareness practice, and that takes practice. I mean, it is a daily awareness practice, but it takes a lot to, because we're human, and there are times you just want to, you know, turn around and say something because somebody said something nasty. But it does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. just hit it on the. You just hit it on the head. It, it sounds so easy to talk about. It's easy to discuss, and it's tough to do because we are in that human form, and it is so seductive. I mean, I had a situation with a friend just yesterday, and it was so seductive for me. And I've been doing this work for over thirty years to respond from a negative place, and it took a lot of awareness and energy for me because it hit in a place and we all have these uh, triggers that really triggered a spot in me and I really had to dig deep and here's the beauty of practical spirituality see that when you when you choose you have because you have choice when you choose to go to that old still seductive place of not being kind if you give yourself kindness if you recognize your actions you take responsibility and you say, wow, you know, I wasn't kind to I really could have done better. And then you flood yourself with kindness and you give yourself compassion because you weren't able to be kind. Then you're practicing, you're, you're staying in the mode of practical spirituality and you're canceling out the negative energy. A quick example for you, when I was going through the divorce with my husband, He's a very good man and a very good father. And I knew that what would be best for my family and all of us would be for me to be as kind to him as I could as we went through the process. And that was my mantra. But we all know about divorce. I mean, we all know about being in human form. And the honest answer was that was I always kind to him? Absolutely not. But what happened is as soon as I recognized that I couldn't be as kind to him as I had hoped for in time, I was always kind to myself because I couldn't be kind to him. And so I was always walking in kindness. Do you see how that works? Yes. And I know that it does work because as an example, when, when my husband and I would argue early on in the marriage, you know, there'd be an argument. We didn't argue. We don't argue a lot, but when we argued, I'd, kind of just take it and say, okay, and walk away. And I wasn't walking away and being passive aggressive or anything. I walked away. And then the next day I'd say something to him and he'd say, okay, this is like a PowerPoint presentation. What are you doing? And I'd be like, well, this is what you said and this is how I'm interpreting it. Because I don't like to fight. It's just mm-hmm. not something I, – I don't think there's anything in this world to fight about. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be wasting brain cells fighting. You shouldn't – come at people and attack. You just have to understand their perspective. And if mm-hmm. you can, you can show your perspective and almost do like a mediation type of thing. Do you see my side? I see your side. And mm-hmm. I think you can solve a whole lot more that way. I mean, if people did that, I think it would have less wars. But, you know, that's not the case. <laughs> no, but I think you're absolutely that, right. I think, that, I yeah. think one, of the, one of the biggest issues in this world is people don't feel heard. They don't feel listened to. And Part of working from a place of love is really listening to other people. And, and <clears throat> pardon me, and so what you were saying is really beautiful, being able to be in a place where, you know, after the emotional surge is over, you really are putting yourself in a place where you're giving, you know, you're um, holding the space for him to be heard. And, and that's wonderful. And it doesn't happen all the time. It happens with him all the time for the most part. But with other people, you're in a meeting, and sometimes you just turn around and say something. But I've learned that you don't do that. It's always okay to stop. It's always okay to take a breath and think Mm -hmm. for a moment and not even speak and just let 
a little bit of time go by and people wonder what you're doing, but then you can say something in a way where they will understand that you get what they're saying because mm-hmm. you need to process and the better you mm-hmm. get at it, the quicker you can process it. Mm-hmm. Does that work that way for you? Um, you know, yes. And I think also it's really being in that place integrally where, um, where you hold the space for for them to be heard, and then you know because and going you know going back to that 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 um, just a moment ago when we were talking about being in human form, we're not going to do it. It's not about being perfect. There's no perfection here. Right. There's just the effort of really <clears throat> pardon me understanding that when we have our emotions, we're learning how to use our emotions differently. We're learning how to look at, have negative thoughts and have awareness and respond to them differently. And when we're not able to do any of this down to what we were just talking about, about holding the space for people, when you find yourself not being able to do that, then give yourself compassion. We need compassion. The whole concept of the oneness is that we all have within us the energy of love. We are different manifestations of that divine energy, but we all have that within us. So everything that happens to each one of us affects absolutely everybody. So when we mm-hmm. flood ourselves with compassion because we couldn't be compassionate to another person, we're still giving the grid, the grid of oneness, compassion. And as I travel around and I do uh, presentations and I do talks and I work with students one-on-one, what I see is that, that people aren't, you know, they, they're, they're givers before they're receivers. And they're able to help other people and work from an energy of love a lot more than they're able to give themselves love. And so the whole idea of, of really um, working from a place of love doesn't exclude us. It very much includes us. It's pretty much the, you know, oxygen mask theory. You know, you have oh, to put yeah. it on yourself before you can help anybody else. And uh, But I think people feel like if they do something for, particularly women, if they do something for themselves, if they're feeling compassion for themselves, then, then they're guilty, they're selfish, and they're thinking, well, why should I be compassionate for myself when I couldn't give them compassion and I'm being compassionate to me and giving myself kindness when I couldn't be kind to them? And they get it. And they're taught that early on, that you have to give, 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 but there's never anything left for you. And what we, I think we're seeing now is that there's a change where people are learning, oh, it's okay to give to me because then I can give more to others. Are you seeing that as well? Oh, absolutely. And your, your, your example of the oxygen mask is so totally perfect. The, the concept here, I mean, in, in thinking of the one that has one big grid that we are all on, it, it intellectually makes sense that if we give to ourselves, we're giving to other people. We've been, you know, pro, the, part of this whole process of, of um, working from practical spirituality is really, it's, an, it's a real shift in our consciousness and in our energetic understanding. Most people work from their brain and their emotions. You know, we have four bodies, T. We have our physical body that houses everything. We have our emotional body. We have our thinking mind, our brain. We have our egoic mind, and we have our intuitive body, which is our soul level. And our intuitive body is what's underdeveloped, and people are working from their mind and their emotions. And Mm on top of that, their their, um, egoic mind, really is all about their history and their pain in this body and their personality. So society tells us things that our personality and our history picks up. And that, that speaks to what you're talking about in terms of women taking on and, and, and people in general feeling they have to help other people before they help themselves. The work here is not egoic. It's not narcissistic. It's, it's about the fact that my job truly is to be responsible for nobody else. My job is to be responsible to my own truth and to understand what that truth is. And if my truth is really truly seen and I have this and I, I embrace the concept of oneness that we are all connected and my natural inheritance is love, how can it be that my taking care of myself and working from a position of love could ever hurt anybody? So we're going through this shift where we're moving from being in our thinking mind and in our emotions to working from our intuitive body. 
And that intuitive body is love. Yes. And everybody has the ability to to do this, but it takes, again, great practice to do it. So where practical spirituality is a daily practice, what tool or tools does one need to make their life their practice? What can help them with that? That's an excellent question. Um, Excuse me. There's a couple of, there's a practice that people can start with on their own um, that I'll be happy to share with you. Um, And I call it an evaluation. And this evaluation is, um, requires radical honesty. And it requires maybe a week's worth of time where people choose to say, I'm going to observe me. And I'm going to observe, not judge, I'm going to observe me in a very loving way. I'm going to watch. I'm going to note. I'm going to bring my awareness to the times I have an emotional surge or I have negative thoughts. And I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write down or I'm going to speak into my phone. I love to speak into my phone. I, I'm still feeling my brain injury and my writing is, is difficult. So I use my phone a great deal. Um, just record a little memo for yourself. Here's what happened. I noticed that today I had a surge around. Uh, I was with so-and-so. I was in the car. And just, just note it and let it go. And then at the end of the week, review it. And you're reviewing it with a very open heart just to see and just to notice what are the places in your life, who are the people in your life, what are the situations in your life that provide opportunities for you to have emotional surges. Because we're starting to work with looking gently and kindly at how we walk in the world so we know where we have to bring in the faith of love. So this might be the first step. That is an excellent exercise because I think it would be very enlightening, you know, to do that and to see where there's, and and as you said, not with judgment, but I can see if I did that, I'd be bringing judgment and I'm not going to deny it. I'd be saying, oh, you know, I got to improve on this. I have to do that. (laughs) You know, I would really be like giving myself grades on how well I did and how I didn't do something good enough and I would need to be more aware, but that's how I raise my awareness and probably a lot of people do that. Yeah. So, and yes. And so the thing is, it's an experience within an experience. So let's say you started doing this, see, and you notice that, oh, you know what? I notice I'm judging. So you put that in the phone. I notice that when I'm doing my practice to notice, I'm judging myself. End of story. And so that becomes what happens, you see, is that when we, your intuitive body can't exist with your negative thoughts in the same space. So what happens is when you consciousness, thought, in the mind, noticing, and then later on you flood that awareness with love, which is the second step, which we kind of haven't gotten to yet, then you're able to bring the intuitive body. So when you're able to look at what you've done with kindness, you are bringing the intuitive body in. So the first step is to just note. And what you just said is you noted you'd be judging while you did the practice. So as you see those judgments, put them in your phone as well. Oh, so I was judging myself. And let it go and move on to, you know, the rest of your life. And then when you look back and you go to the second step, which is to bring in a face of love. So if I asked you, T, let's put you on the spot, darling. If I said Uh-oh. to you, when you, <laughs> you could do this, when you think about your, the piece of you that is looking to judge you and you had to respond to that with a face of love, would you say that the face of love you would be bringing in to flood yourself with would be compassion? And don't think, just, just go to that knowing spot. Would it be compassion you need to give yourself? Would it be patience, tolerance? Would it be understanding? Would it be wisdom? Would it be grace? Would it be gratitude? Which of those gratitude. do you need? Gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah. yeah you I'm start big on your show. Yeah. I bet you are because you start yeah. your show with this wonderful song. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And mm-hmm. so 
what are you going to flood yourself with? You're going to flood yourself with the light of gratitude. You're going to sit and you're going to remember a time that you felt so grateful. And you're going to put that feeling in your body and you're going to sit in that energy for minutes every single day. You're going to, you're going to commit to give yourself five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes where you sit there and flood yourself with that energy. Because we can't think it. We have to feel it in our body. Right. And when you Mm -hmm. feel it, it becomes the experience. So we don't want to think gratitude. We want to become the experience of gratitude. We want to have that experience in order to be it. This is what authenticity is. We we go from the thinking mind, from the intellectual knowing, to the full-bodied experience. Yes. And, and, you know, in, in all that you've said, it's funny because I find it's a lot easier for me to, I know when I'm judging someone else, I know immediately mm-hmm. when I think, oh, stop judging, you're judging that person. And mm-hmm. I'll immediately turn the perspective around and say, don't judge. And I'll stop the judging and I'll realize that they're in a different place. They've got whatever baggage they have. I shouldn't be judging them. I don't know their story. Cut them some slack. Be kind, be nice, and flood them. And I'm grateful that I noticed it right away and was aware enough to stop it and turn it around to something positive. But I never, ever, ever, I don't think I ever looked at, oh, I'm judging myself. I never looked at that. I've never done that. You bless them and you bless you because we're all in the same grid of oneness. What people realize when they go to a workshop with me and when we work one-on-one is what we discover, Kate, is that there are patterns, that what people judge other people about is what they see harshly about in themselves. And Mm -hmm. other people are triggers for them in terms of what it brings about about themselves. For instance, I I was just, we were just filming a three- part video series that um, I'm about to put out onto the internet in uh, March, and it's um, all about how to make this shift. It's, it's taking people um, for three days, um, it's going to be free, uh, through this shift from going from their thinking mind to their feeling body. And I was sharing this example where there was a time at my house, when I lived in my house with my boys, and I had a meditation room, and my boys were 10 and 7, and their playroom was right next to the meditation room. And there I was in the meditation room trying to meditate, and I said to them, do me a favor, guys. Please do something quietly now because I'm going to meditate. And it was, okay, mama, no problem. Two seconds later, they start wrestling, they start playing, they're throwing each other into the door. So I, I lean out and I very gently say, excuse me, could you go in another part of the house? I need to meditate. No problem, mom. Once again, I go back, I start meditating, and once again, they bang into the door. And so for the second time, I lean out and I very kindly say, excuse me, would you please be quiet? Oh, no problem, Mama. I went inside, I sat down, and I started to really, it was quiet. So I started to go really, really deep into my meditation. And as soon as I got deep, the next thing I knew was a body got slammed into the door and they started screaming with each other and having fun. And before I knew it, I bolted from a, in a second from a very deep state of meditation out the door and started screaming at them to shut the F up. And they mm-hmm. looked at me and they said, oh, my God, you know, who is this crazy woman? Where is my mother? And I said, who is this person? Where am I? And what I learned when I reflected back on that moment where I was so unconscious so quickly was that behind that for me was, the feeling of disrespect that they didn't respect me. And behind that was the feeling of not being loved. And that was a pattern in my life. I would always get emotionally charged around situations where I felt people weren't respecting me because I was such a big pull, a lack of love. And so I had Mm. to flood myself, expressions of love from the oneness, like really sit down and purposely feed myself love. And, and and that was a big part of my practice. I think we are mm-hmm. all there. I think all of us need love. And we have the yeah. uh, we wait for the universe to give it to us. We wait for other people to give it to us. But we can give it to ourselves. And it's the choices we make in our life, how we respond to other people, as well as not just sitting and giving ourselves the energy of love, but when we respond kindly to people, 
we are in the energy of love. Yes. Yes, and it's similar to, you know, people who think, well, if, if I do this, I'll be happy. If I find the right person, I'll be happy. If I get the right job, I'll be happy. No, you need to find the happiness of you before you can be happy with anything else, and you sure, certainly shouldn't be bringing anyone else into it because no one can make you happy, and that is part of love too. There's only two emotions, love and fear. Love encompasses a whole slew of emotions over here, and fear encompasses a whole slew of emotions, but those are the two we're working off of. So if you're angry or upset, you're actually in fear, and if you're happy and grateful and compassionate and caring and kind, you're in the emotion of love. So you, you're right. You need to choose which one. And sometimes you are going to just react the way that, I mean, you were very patient two, three times with the kids. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, I'm, I'm really deep in this meditation. And now you just really ticked me off because now I'm out of it. And I can see how that could happen. Absolutely. It's going to happen to all of us. And people would say, well, Selena, you had every justification. And on a physical level of understanding, that's true. But my commitment mm-hmm. is not to just live in the physical level. My commitment is to live at a higher vibration. And although in a physical level that might look like, you know, there was justification and make sense, my commitment is to respond to life from love. So when I snapped at them, I wasn't unhappy ultimately because of their behavior. I was ultimately unhappy because of my behavior and my right. response. I was out of alignment with my energy of love. And that, I would put forth, is why we really do get unhappy. Somebody, you know, cuts you off on the street or somebody, you know, scoops the seat on the subway and you're really exhausted. So, of course, on a physical level, you would love that school level. You'd like not to have to jam your brakes and get panicked on the road if somebody's about to hit you. But on a spiritual level, on a higher energetic level, we have the opportunity to respond and say, well, this is what happened. I don't know why that happened. I I have a choice as to the story that I choose to respond with. Well, I can respond to the story of this person doesn't respect me and they they were thoughtless, or I can say, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? And wouldn't it be nice are three words that are open and, and create an open state when you're not feeling very open. So that's another tool people can use. They, they can bring to their awareness when, they're, when they feel something has just happened that they, and they find themselves about to go into a place of, of negativity or unkind response. They can say, oh, wouldn't it be nice if that person, you know, had signaled before they came into my lane? Wouldn't it be nice if I had an opportunity to sit down and they didn't go to see? And why is that important? Because we're responding not with negative energy, we're responding with positive energy. And when we do that, we open up and create other results in our life. You know, I had that car event, see? I could have bemoaned my fate. I, had, I came out of that car with no car, with no house to live in, with no opportunity to make money, with no understanding of when I could, no way of knowing whether I was going to be able to go to New York or not. Position where I had to ask for help. My neighbors had to take care of me. They had to take me to doctors. I, I had to completely open up to the universe and say, wherever, I couldn't even know moment to moment what was going to happen. And I could have bemoaned my fate, but I knew that this was the most incredible experience about to happen to me, and, and this was, I was just surrender and open up to absolutely everything wonderful. And it's a big example of what happens to us moment to moment in life. And I truly believe because I surrendered and I was just open to what happened. And I just knew that I was to respond to everybody and thank them and be kind and gracious that that was going to be what was going to direct whatever else was going to come my way. And it did. And I think that that's an awareness that a lot of people come to after given situations and not, maybe not even as dramatic as that, but sometimes it's, you know what? I just need to stop. And that's always okay, too. When you get that, when you are moving along at a pace that's just too fast and you're in overwhelm, that's really being in a negative space because you're not taking advantage of anything. You're not taking advantage of being in the moment and being finding the joy and giving joy. You're just doing and doing and doing and going faster and faster and faster. But yeah. if you can just say, I need to stop. And really stop in that moment mm-hmm. and just take a couple of breaths. That will mm-hmm. help to turn things around. And then you start to see things shift where 
things will come to you that are more positive. Things will come to you that you're looking for. You'll be able to manifest things a whole lot differently because of your perspective and the vibration. You cannot draw, it's like a magnet. You cannot draw something negative to you when you're positive. You can only draw something else positive. So you're Absolutely. drawing that likeness to you. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And, and we can't control the chaos that's around us that happens in the small moments and the great moments of our day. But we can choose to how we respond to it. And everything is energy. Energy that comes at you, if you respond to it with the same negative energy, you're just, you're just destined to sit in that negative energy. But if difficult things happen and you choose a different response, then you're, excuse me, you're shifting the vibration. And then you have that opportunity, as you just so beautifully put, to really be the positive energy and open up to things on a very different vibration. And this isn't West Coast talk. This isn't New Age jargon. This is actual, right. this is actual physics. This is actual quantum physics. I mean, this, mm-hmm. is, this is energy. This is physicality. And that's why it's practical spirituality because it truly is very practical work. Yeah, this is science. This is how it works. And and we speak about this a lot here at Energy Awareness Radio. And it's it's this is actually how things really work. You don't have to understand quantum physics on a level where you're going to be a you know a rocket scientist. You just have to understand that this is the basics of quantum physics. This is how it works. It's it's a it's a real simple give and take to just bring it right down to the basics. You're going to draw to you what it is that you're putting out there because again, we're all energy. Everything is energy, everything. So you'll get what you put, what you give. That's an absolute. It's just an absolute. And you can choose to, and and this even goes over into health. People will think, well, I can't possibly get better just by thinking I am. Yeah, you can. You absolutely can. When people come in and they'll say, oh, well, T's going to heal me. No, I'm not a healer. I've never healed or cured anyone in my life except myself. And that's what we all do. I might be a facilitator of helping you to raise your vibration, but I am not a healer. And I think sometimes people get confused like that. They don't realize that they are their own energy and they can shift Mm -hmm. it, but it's up to them. It's completely up to them. That's absolutely wise words. When people come to me as a teacher, I'm very clear with people that my job is to help you remember who you truly are. And and you come to me to to have a speed dial process so that I can, share energetic deep show with you, but I can also share with you very practical steps that you can take to remember in the moment-to-moment of your life who you truly are. But this is indeed, people have within themselves the capability to do exactly what you just said. You and I are in such alignment on that. You know, we have within ourselves this natural inheritance of love. And what we need to do is to be reintroduced to it and then to bring it into physicality because we live in the physical world. And there are laws like gravity. And just like gravity is the law of free will and the law that you, that you can't just think something and have it happen. You have to bring it into physicality. You have to fuel it with your energy in order for it to, 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 to go through the density of this earth and to become, um, to exist in physicality. So you're absolutely correct. We all have within us, and teachers bring this out for us. And healers right. bring this out for us. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, Selena, I can't believe it. It's been wonderful having you on, on the <laughs> air, but we're almost at the top of the hour. I know. But before we say goodbye, I want you to tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and the services that you provide. Well, thank you. They can go to my website at selenamaitreya.com, and um, my, the spelling of my name is obviously on the copy on your program, and um, I do one-on-one teachings with students. They, I offer people an opportunity to just send me an email and let me know you'd like to talk to me about a possible um, teaching relationship, and we'll set up a 20- or 30-minute uh, no-fee a meeting over Skype or over a landline and talk about where you are in your practice and I can share with you what I do as a teacher and see if it's appropriate for you. I also have a fabulous um, online meeting called Insights that people can go to my website and look for it under Teachings Insights. It's an online once-a-month teaching that is very reasonably priced. I have people coming from all over the world one Tuesday night a month and I share channeled teachings from spirit 
and they're very deep teachings that come along with an affirmation and a lesson that I've created around the teaching from spirit so that people can continue the lesson all month. So it's insights for one-on-one teachings, and um, I also have a free meditation on my site if people want to come and sign up for my guided light meditation. It's free, and um, we've had thousands of people sign up for that, and I get emails all the time with people thanking me because it is a wonderful meditation that people can uh, get for free by going to the site that will help them to flood them in the light of love. And you also mentioned you have a DVD coming out in March. Is that what you said? Um, No, we're actually going to have a three-day free video teaching program um, called Creating the Shift. And um, people can just sign up for it, um, and they'll get the three-day program. um, Each day it's 30 minutes of my teaching and giving you, taking you through meditations and practices to help you move from your thinking and emotional mind to responding to life from love. And um, if you sign up for the guided meditation on my site, the free meditation, the golden light meditation, you'll be on my list and you'll hear about it. That, it all sounds great. There's a, a plethora of information on the site. So you need to go and check it out because there's just so much there to, to take advantage of and, and sign up for. I, I just, um, I'm amazed by all that you have and all that you do. It's been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful having you on the show. Would you just hang out for a few minutes? I'm going to do the outro, and then I'd like to talk to you off air if that's okay. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you for all the work, great work you do for all of us. Really oh, thank it. you very much. Just hold on the line for just a bit. I'll do the outro, and then I'll be talking to you in the green room. Thanks. So, listeners, we need you to spread the word. You know, I know that you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you don't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthfully, purposefully, and practically the way that we need to. This is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everybody you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they can learn and grow and make the world a better place for all of us. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a roof over my head I got a warm place to sleep So that's all I When I remember how
Are you there? Hello? Are you there? Ah. 978-869-7029. Why did she go? Selena? All right. Let me try this. Let me see if I can get back in that. Hello? Are you still there? Hi, oh, you're yeah. there. Hi, I lost you. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I was, I'm like, where did she go? <laughs> okay, it was, uh, it so was the whole video thing. Okay. Yeah, so send me whatever you need to. Yes, yeah, send me the information on that. I'd be really interested in looking at that. Very okay, much it's so. In a, it's in a, we just filmed it last week, and it's in editing form, so it probably won't be ready for a couple of weeks. But as soon as it is, I'm going to send it to you um, along with a letter that will tell you all about this. And uh, let's keep each other posted. I'd love to do more with you. I, I really would. And I so appreciate tonight. Thank you so very much, my dear. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. You have a wonderful evening. Stay safe and okay, warm. Okay, darling. Take care. Thank, Thank you so you. much. You too. All right. Be yep. well. Bye-bye. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.